shame. It's one of the most lethal injections we give to ourselves. We carry it in our bodies. We carry it in our minds. We carry it in our souls. I can't tell you how many daughters I've talked to about the shame they feel their mom puts on them for their weight or beauty or attitude or parenting style. In the summers, I'm the Waynesboro General's chaplain. I've had countless college baseball players tell me they fear the conversations with their dad every time they strike out multiple times in a game. These guys are in college, playing at major universities, and they're sitting in the dugout in the summer fearing their father's shame. It seeps into almost every fabric of our lives, and we live almost oblivious to it. But what if we could transform it, even baptize it? That's what I want to explore today. Shame is something we all feel, and it makes us feel flawed, broken, unworthy of love or belonging. That last phrase is important. We'll come back to it time and again during Lent. It comes from the world-renowned sociologist, Dr. Brene Brown. She defines shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And we don't see shame coming. It's such a hidden exercise. So we don't talk about it, but it eats us alive. We don't know how to heal it, but it cripples our self-confidence and connection in the world. Shame is rampant, dangerous, and, it, and it's time that we shine a light on it. We all have buckets of where shame resides in us, and we named a bunch of those during our Ash Wednesday service. Things like parenting, jobs, marriage, friendships, health, finances. But there's one arena in particular that has caused immense shame, I would say for everyone, and that's what I want to focus on today. Religion, especially Christianity. It has made a killing on shaming its followers. For decades, centuries even, the church has shamed us into believing we don't belong unless we learn to behave and to believe. In my last church back in Atlanta, in the early 1900s, to be a member of that church uh, came with significant demands. One was not to drink publicly. If you got caught intoxicated in public, you had to stand before the congregation and confess with sincerity your sin and then be judged. The congregation had to vote on the sincerity of your confession to reinstate you or you'd be stripped of your membership. My goodness, can you imagine the shame that that would cast over people? And that's just a funny example. But the church has not funny ones either. It has been a mechanism to make people confess things over and over again in shameful ways. Think about how the church has made you feel less than worthy. It may not have been a sermon or a pastor, but rather the ethos, the culture of that community. It used shame to force you into believing and behaving if you ever were going to belong. Remember, shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Well, the Christian culture 
makes people feel this way all the time. How many former churchgoers, and I'm not talking about former members of First Baptist, but just churchgoers in general, how many of you talk to that have said they just don't feel like church is a place where they belong? It's because they felt shamed, and church is now a trigger for them. When I was a teenager, I went to church camp, and the camp pastor stood on stage and told all of us students that our grandparents were dying of cancer because our sins of the flesh. Seriously. His example was a teenager looking at pornography on the internet. He said we shouldn't do that because it causes a chain reaction that leads to our grandparents dying of lung cancer. You know, the logic in that is just crazy. There are millions of reasons not to engage the internet in such ways, but saying it kills your grandma with cancer is absolutely not one of them. The pastor was trying to say that sin in the world begets evil. But cancer is not evil. It's a disease. Sin doesn't cause that. And to shame children into thinking it does is horrifying. But the culture of where I grew up was so accustomed to being shamed by their pastor or by a sermon then being shamed into confession was nothing new. Nobody even thought to question it. A bunch of people even wept over their complicity in it. And so now we have this 20-something-year-old camp pastor who's up there spouting nonsense, and we're all writing it down as if it's gospel, even when it's not. I see all of this differently now. We can't shame people into the gospel. We must not threaten disconnection to control behavior. My goodness, that's horrible just hearing me say it. But do you want to know what the sad truth is? Churches do it because it works. Churches and camps and pastors have used shame over and over again for hundreds of years. It's their go-to proven technique. Shame people for their sins cast doubt on their salvation and good standing before God and within the community, and then watch people fall in line. The biggest heaping pile of shame, and I'm talking the mother of all shame that the church has placed on us, is it's convinced us that the core truth of our existence is that we actually don't belong. It has sold us a lie. And we have bought it hook, line, and sinker. They've even warped the gospel narrative of Jesus around this lie, and they tell it to us on repeat, that deep down at the core of our existence, we're disconnected from God, we're born wretched, we're evil, we don't belong. This is shame at its finest. So I will say this as many times as it takes for you to hear it. This is a lie. It's a lie that the church and religion tells over and over again, and I don't think they know that they're lying. I think shame has riddled their fault lines with so much fear that this lie has become truth to them. But just because a bunch of people believe in something doesn't make it right or real. Here's the real truth as I see it and how I understand it from Scripture. You do belong. You are God's beloved. You always were, and you always have been. None of us earned God's grace. It's just there, filled from the beginning. 
You have always and will always belong to God. God doesn't reject you. I've said this before, it's us who reject God. The truth is, God is always, always blessing and receiving you. Take all the time you need to let that sink in. I'll just be over here, reading how I know this to be true. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up from the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and a spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Look at verse 11 again. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the voice of God in the gospel to Jesus. And this is what God is telling us to We are God's beloved, and in us, the true us, the core essence of us, God is well pleased. Anything less is a fabrication of the truth of our existence. You are not wretched to God. You belong. You are God's dust, made in the image and likeness of God, the same material in which God formed the planets and stars. You are God's beloved from the beginning, just as you are. If you don't feel religion or church has ever told you this, I'm telling you it's because that church and that religion, that culture is trapped in shame. And you have to baptize your shame to get out of it. Think about what baptism is and means. You profess that Jesus is Lord of your life. You claim to be a follower as, and as an outward sign of that decision in faith, you move through the waters of baptism like Jesus does. You die to your old selfish self. You die to the shame and regret and pain that you brought upon yourself. You let go of that which you know doesn't belong, whatever act or thought or event, and you wash yourself of it. You die to that lie and resurrect in new life. Baptism is much about us believing and reclaiming the core truth of our existence as it is anything else. And that's what I want to leave you with. Church culture, and I'm talking about Christianity, has shamed us for too long. What we need now, what we need to be told and be reminded of, is our original blessing. We are God's beloved. We belong, even when we're told we aren't and we don't. I hope we're a church for you that doesn't make you feel shamed. If you carry a lot of that with you, though, I'd like to help you. On Ash Wednesday, I gave an example from Dr. Brown about how we can start building resiliency and overcoming our shame. One way is we speak our shame. We share it in a safe, loving space that can hold it. This is how we can baptize it. And if I can help, I want to, and I will. Confession is good for the soul. Speaking our shame is an act of confession that leads to repentance, that leads to forgiveness, that leads to wholeness. But to feel like you're safe and can speak shame, 
means that the environment, the person listening, must be able to hold it. Church has not always proven to be a safe space. But I want to offer myself as a listening ear to you. If there's a narrative, a story that you need to tell, and then by telling it, it frees you from feeling disconnected or ashamed, then I will listen. And here's what I can promise in return. I'll offer to you what I believe God intended for all of us to hear all the time from church. And that's a true blessing and not a shaming. I'll remind you that you do belong. You were God's beloved, just as you are. Whatever makes you feel disconnected, it can be healed. Just look at the baptism story of Jesus. You need not look any further, for it tells us that at the core truth of who we are, we aren't wretched or broken. It's the opposite. We're not wretched. We're not broken. We belong. We are God's beloved, says God. And in who we are, God is well pleased.